living uncommon. That's what we've been talking about, living uncommon. And pastor said something on Sunday that uh, I think he ended the message with, and uh, it's so good, and that's what I want to take um, up where he left off tonight. But he said on Sunday, he repeated something Pastor Annette said, that we are anointed for hard. We're anointed for hard. So living uncommon means grabbing hold of the anointing for the day we live in. Right? Because not everyone will do that, but we will. Right? We're learning how to live uncommon. So um, funny enough, and this is probably going to date me, but um, the Holy Spirit talked, was talking to me this past week and last week about... Um, how many can identify with the word Atari? <laughs> Thank God I'm not the only one. <laughs> okay, well, Atari was, you know, some of you might, you know, um, it was before Xbox. It was before PlayStation 4. It was uh, before Sega Genesis. Before Nintendo. You had Atari. And in Atari, you know, you had games like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong. And, but if you were me and my twin sister, Natasha... Then the game you played was Space Invaders. <laughs> you remember that game? And we would play duo version. You know, we each had the joystick and we would just go to town and see how many boards we could clear, you know? And uh, so we would go. So the Holy Spirit started talking to me about this game, Space Invaders, over this past week. And um, because this, even though we're not playing Atari anymore, right? I'm not sitting around playing Atari. I, I think I might have an Atari somewhere, but. Um, Still, things are trying to invade my space every day. We have space invaders, right? So that's a little bit what I'm going to talk about, but we're going to go all over today. So space invaders. So I looked up the word invade, and what that means is to enter as an enemy with a view to conquest or plunder. So when things invade your space, like you're going about your normal day, you're happy, you're at peace, you have faith in God, and something all of a sudden invades your space as an enemy to you, and it's set with a view to plunder you. And see, that's what we're talking about. We want to take hold of the anointing to live in this day where that does not happen. Where we, like the game Space Invaders, we kill them before they kill us, right? They're going to try to march down the screen of your life. Until they can take your life, right? That's the intent. And because uh, we know John 10, 10 says the devil does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. And since the Garden of Eden to today, I know that the devil sends people our way, you know, that aren't friendly, that may, we're going to get to this in a little bit too, but annoy us, agitate us, whatever it may be. But since the Garden of Eden to today, the devil's tactics are still the same. He will use words to deceive you in order to destroy. Because if he can deceive you, then he can destroy. But it all starts out with words, right? So when I was thinking about space invaders, the other word that came to me was troubleshooters. So when trouble comes our way, we got to shoot, right? We got to shoot trouble, not people. The trouble, right? So the word trouble, he comes to trouble us. He comes to invade our space and trouble us. And this word to trouble means to agitate, to disturb, get this, to put into confused motion. That means you're moving because you don't know what to think, what to do. But you're still moving because you're confused. Don't we see that in the world today? Craziness. But we don't want to be that way. It also means to perplex, 
to distress or to grieve? How many of you have been grieved by anything in the past month? Yeah, I think we could all probably shake our heads, right? It even means, in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it even means to busy, to cause to be much engaged and anxious. The example the Webster's 1828 Dictionary used was Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. Running around, taking care of it all, right? And we see that today. I wrote down, um, you know, unlike Space Invaders, you know, they get to the bottom of the screen, they take your life. And we might say, well, the devil hasn't taken, hasn't stolen my life. You're still looking at me. I'm breathing. I'm on earth. He hasn't stolen my life. And you might think that. And I wrote down in my notes, the devil may not have taken your physical life, but has he changed the way you live? He often begins by stealing from your mental or emotional well-being or your physical health or from the time you spend with God. This is what I see. Emotionally, people are being consumed with fear, worry, and anxiety. Mostly from words. Mentally, people are figuring things out again and again. Wondering, supposing, what ifing, trying to care of, t- take care of things on their own. Running here, there, figure it out. Oh, that didn't work. I got to figure it out. Physically, some people are trying to be the savior of the world. Running here and there and everywhere. Trying to meet needs or make ends meet. And that's not how we're supposed to live. That means we're not supposed to live troubled. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 6, see that you are not troubled. When they asked him what's the sign of the ages and he told them, he started out by saying in verse 6, see that you are not troubled. Troubled, let's go back to the definition, agitated, disturbed, perplexed, distressed, busy, much engaged, engaged and anxious. When Martha was used as the example of this, well, how did Jesus respond to Martha about being busy and trying to do everything? One thing is needed. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that. And what did she choose? To sit at Jesus' feet and listen and receive. Secret place. Go to your secret place. Right? In Mark chapter 4, Jesus even said, take heed what you hear. What are you listening to? Right? We sing the little song as kids. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. And then we grow up and we think we should tune into the news and figure out what all is going on in the world because we need to be informed. <laughs> Do we? I don't know. I think maybe being informed in the Bible would be a better option. You know, turn off my TV and open my Bible. Learn how to handle these things. And that's what tonight is about. So we are anointed for this day. You're not a mistake that you're living in this day. You might be sitting here thinking tonight, I can't handle one more thing. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You've got to recognize it as the deceit that it is so it doesn't destroy your life. Yes, you can. You and God can handle anything. There's nothing too difficult for him. And because you have him, there's nothing too difficult for you. That's the truth, but we have to grab hold of it with all that's in us and hang on, right? That there is nothing that we are unbeatable, unshakable, untroubleable. Can I say that? (laughs) Untroubleable. We should be untroubleable. So instead of trouble invading our space, maybe we should become some of the space invaders, right? Maybe we, maybe got, Jesus said in John 20, 21, peace to you. As the father sent me, so send I you. Well, what was Jesus sent to do? 
First John 3, 8, the son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. You know what that means? Trouble, trouble. You go trouble, trouble. When trouble comes, you trouble, trouble. You're manifested to destroy the works of the devil. So when trouble comes your way, in whatever form it comes, whether it's a bad report, physically, financially, at your job, in your family, whatever, relationally, trouble, trouble. What does the word say? Right? Grab hold of the word. Now, (laughs) it's easy to say um, the world's crazy. The world's gone crazy. Right? But we knew this. It's not a new, it's, it shouldn't be new to us. It's in the Bible. Right? So we know trouble is going to come our way. We know what the world is going to be like in the end days, or we should. Let's read a little bit about it. Romans chapter 1. Let's turn there. Romans chapter 1. Remember, we're going to read these and we're going to trouble, trouble. We're not going to let invade them invade our space. Right? All right. Mark chapter 1. We're going to read 29 through 32. These are the people. Uh, Romans 1. Romans 1, 29 through 32. These are the people God tells us will be in our day. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do them, but approve of those who practice them. doesn't sound like my best friend doesn't sound like a bunch of people i want to hang with right but this is this is in the bible that this these will be people in the day we live they were people in the day paul lived there'll be people in the day we live like this so when i'm saying you're anointed for hard you're anointed for this (laughs) you're anointed for backbiters and unforgivers and slanderers and sexually immoral and wickedness you are anointed for the covetousness the malicious the murderers the strifers the deceitful the haters of God. You are anointed for this. You are. Say, I am. am. Say, I am anointed. anointed. Say, I am anointed for today. today. That's right. You are anointed for today. Let's read some more. Let's see what else we're anointed for. (laughs) Second Timothy three. Let's go there. Second Timothy three. Let's read verses one through five. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, from such people turn away." You're anointed for this. You're anointed for these days. You're anointed. When people are lovers of self and lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. See, the bad part about this is they're going to invade your space. They're going to invade your space. They're going to say things. You can't be um, unthankful and unholy, unforgiving, slanderer. All of that speaks of them talking. 
They're going to come into your space. They're going to talk. They're going to say unholy things. They're going to slander people. They're going to talk about their parents. They're not going to have any self-control, which means they'll just spew who knows what in your space. But you are anointed for this day. You are anointed to live among these kind of people. This is what we are anointed for. Now, this word perilous in verse 1, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. This word perilous <laughs> comes from a root word that means to lower into a void. Like to depress you. To lower you into a void. Like you've got nothing left. to Nothing to give. You're just void. I got nothing. Right? So because of that, this word perilous means reducing strength. Come to reduce your strength. That's why we get the words difficult, dangerous, and furious as translations of this verse. Perilous times. They're difficult times. Dangerous times. Furious times. And all of it is to reduce your strength. To send you from the word to lower you into a void. You know? And probably all of us have done that at one time in our lives or another. That spiral into, I got nothing. I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit in the dark and listen to the quiet. (laughs) That's what it's sent for. That's what it's all sent for. We'll go back to invade and trouble. It's to conquest or plunder. See, if we understood what the enemy was doing most of the time, and we understood that we were dealing with the enemy, we might at least get mad enough to strike back. If we recognized it, and if, you know what, the Bible says in Hebrews, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together in these days. Why? Exhorting one another. See, because if I can't get out of a void, surely somebody in this room can help me. You know what I mean? When you see somebody struggling, give a brother a hand or a sister a hand. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? You got to come to church for them to see and give you a hand. You know what I mean? We can pray for those we haven't seen in a couple of weeks. Maybe we should go by and visit. Open our eyes. Look around. Who's not here? Who's here? You know what I'm saying? Take care of one another even more as the day approaches. So what do we, how do we, how do, we do this? If it's come to reduce our strength, <laughs> then we're... We're going to, probably all of you, if I worded it a certain way, you would answer. But what do we know about, if we're reducing our strength, how do we get strength back? Hmm? Maybe if I said, how do we renew our strength? Anybody remember that verse? Wait on the Lord, you shall renew your strength. So we're going to end up on way to the Lord, but let's, let's get there. Let's stay here right here in 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. So we, we hear all these, or 2 Timothy 3 was all these people, what these people are going to be like. So you might be like, whoa, that's a little overwhelming. Those are a lot of people that I probably don't like very much. I don't even want to be around them. Nikki, right? How do we de- even deal with these people? Well, let's go back a chapter. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's look at verse 22. Starts out, or in the middle of the verse, it says, Pursue righteousness, faith, love, 
peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So we have to be thinking righteousness, faith, love, peace. What if we went around every day pursuing those things? We didn't get distracted by everything else. All the reports, all the TV, what people are talking about. What if every day we were on a pursuit of righteousness? What is it? Righteousness, faith, love, peace. Repeat it with me. Righteousness, faith, love, peace. Do it again. Righteousness, faith, love, peace. Do it again. Righteousness, faith, love, peace. What if that was so ingrained on us that that's what we were concentrating on every day? Not, not on, um, you know, oh, I got to find a way to make more money. What if we actually trusted God to take care of that? Because we were doing what we, we knew we were doing, what we were supposed to be doing, working as unto the Lord, but we were pursuing righteousness, faith, love, peace. What if we were doing that? With those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but avoid. So here comes some tips. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Do you know that word generate means give birth to? (laughs) When you enter into foolish and ignorant disputes, you are birthing strife. You are helping to birth exactly what the devil wants. You are birthing his plans, his goals. His purposes. How about instead we birth a move of God? (laughs) How about that? Instead of getting caught up in foolish and ignorant disputes, what if we were so attentive to what God wanted us to say and do that we could birth a move of God? If we can birth strife, don't you think you can birth a move of God? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Let's do it, right? And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, (laughs) patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. So when I looked up these, all these different words, as I was studying it said, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. That's the exact same word as strife. You must not strife. You must not generate strife. Don't start strife. Don't quarrel. Don't get into ignorant and foolish disputing. Unless you want to be considered ignorant and foolish. Can I get a raise of hands of who would like to be considered ignorant or foolish? Okay, I was just checking, right? So that means none of us are going to enter into strife. Because we are not going to be showing up as ignorant or foolish right? But be gentle to all, able to teach. That just means instructing, instructing, able to instruct. Like this is how it's done. Remember I said, we're going to go out and show the world how it's done. Yeah. We just instruct them and how it's done. And sometimes that's show them how it's done. It's not just tell, do as I say, not as I do. No, instruct them. Patient. Do you know this word patient in this verse literally means enduring of ill. That means when they treat you poorly, you just endure it. You just endure it. It doesn't even phase you. It doesn't even phase you because that's what they do. That's not what we do. You just endure it. Why? Because you're a servant of the Lord. Because you're birthing a move of God. That's why we do it. We endure it. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. 
Now, I thought this was um, interesting because in humility and correcting means training up a child. Let's face it, there's a whole lot of kids out there. Children, immature, immature. I mean, I've never seen an age where people are so immature. I'm going to give you an example later. You're going to be amazed. Immature. So we have to train them up. They're just kids. You know how kids do silly, immature stuff. You know, sometimes their brains aren't fully developed, so they really do crazy stuff. I can remember stuff I did. You can remember stuff you did. So stupid, right? So we have to train them up, right? We have to educate them, discipline them, instruct them. And it said, this was what was interesting. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. That literally means they oppose themselves. Like they're doing to themselves what's not even good for themselves. They're opposing themselves. They're opposing their own progress. And, and you're going to get, you know, you're going to get mad at them for doing something to you. They don't even know how to get themselves forward. They're opposing themselves from moving forward. It's immature. So we can't be ignorant. We can't be ignorant, number one, of the devil's devices to try to get us, to invade our space and try to get us troubled. Jesus said, see that you be not troubled. That means you cannot get disturbed. (laughs) You can't get agitated. You can't get annoyed. I know we all do every day. Hopefully we're getting better and better. (laughs) Right? That's the goal. I'm not saying I don't do it. I'm not saying you don't do it. I'm saying let's read the Bible (laughs) and see how it's supposed to be done. So we've got to stop taking the bait. See that you be not troubled. All this stuff is coming. These are how they're going to be. This is, we're, there's no stopping it. This is how people are going to be. How is it going to change? How will they know unless a preacher is sent? If you're acting just like them, if I'm acting just like them, how are they going to know there's another way? They won't know. They won't know. So we cannot get agitated, disturbed. See that you be not troubled. <laughs> okay. Remember, I was going to give you the example of being immature, right? So, um, I was talking to a young adult the other day. And, you know, when you're in college and stuff, you end up with roommates you may know or don't know, right? And so sometimes you get a peach and sometimes you don't. So, um, I was talking to a young adult and they were talking about (laughs) this roommate that is so immature. And, I mean, I I found myself getting angry for them. And they were telling me how... You know, they put their clothes in the washer, and if they get busy doing something else, or if they step out, or somebody calls, or they go, you know, whatever, or if they forget to take it out, go to bed, go to work the next day, whatever. Let's say they left their clothes in the washer, or left it in the dryer. The roommate will take the clothes out, and put them on the floor. And you know how sometimes in your laundry room, the floor is dusty because of lint? And, she, and this person has already asked the roommate three times not to do that. But they keep doing it. And on top of that, the basket is sitting there. (sighs) Right? (laughs) No, I just got done saying, don't be agitated. Don't be perplexed. Don't be distressed. Don't be annoyed. But this is what we're talking about. (laughs) This is the day we're living in. They're just trying to annoy you now. You know there's people like that. They're just trying to agitate you. Why? Because they're immature. They're opposing their own progress. And so instead of birthing strife, in the situation. Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> when, when, I mean, when I heard the story, I thought of at least three carnal things I could have done. Or would have done. Or wished I could have done. Like, you know. 
send her clothes through the shredder, you know, or, or take the hinges off her door and hide them. Or, I mean, I mean, your mind just like, how do I naturally get back at these people? And of course, if you know me, I would not do any of those things. But if you don't know me, I would do none of those things. But your mind kind of has fun imagining what you could do if you were that carnal or immature. Immature, everyone. That's immature. We do not act like that as Christians. <laughs> it's like uh, when they said, you know, we came out with the fish on the car, and then they came out with the Darwin fish with the feet, and then we came out with our fish eating Darwin's fish. That's not how we respond, right? <laughs> that is not how it's done, okay? We don't get more immature because they're immature. But that's what we're dealing with. This is the day. These are real situations of agitation and trying to come in and steal your peace, call you names. You know you're not that. They know you're not that. You know, say things about you at work, steal the promotion. Totally not true. What are you going to do? Are you going to birth strife? Or are you going to birth the move of God? Because to me, after I had time to cool down about the roommate... I started thinking, okay, what is the spiritual thing to do here? And I started thinking, what if you just went to them and said, you know, I know you're dealing with things and I just want you to know I love you. If you need any help, birth the move of God. Who knows what could happen in that moment? What if they broke down and just got healed and forgave whoever it is that they're mad at, that they're taking it out on you? Do you know what I'm saying? What if? How about we what if what God can do? Instead of, I'm going to get, how can I get them back? I'm going to, you know what I mean? Let's imagine what we can do that God can work with. And it's going to always center on love. It's going to always start there. Because God is love. And he's asking us to love. In a day when the Bible tells us in Matthew 24, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. That means there's going to be a lot of Christians that aren't going to do what I'm talking about tonight. Let them not be in this room. Let them not be in this church, right? And not because I want to say shame, shame on you, but because I want a move of God that takes the world by storm. And it's going to start by you and me loving, giving God something to work with, with our roommate, (laughs) our spouse, our children, our parents our sisters, our brothers, the person behind you, right? We have to start imagining divine results. Like in that situation where you're tempted to be troubled, annoyed, agitated, to respond carnally, stop, breathe, smile. If you can even get yourself to smile. Because once you smile, I guarantee you, you can get your mind on God. So that's the next one. Smile. Think about God. When you think about God, when you get your mind on him, he'll give you an answer. But it takes stopping. It's like stop, drop, and roll. Stop. Smile. Think about God. And he'll give you an answer. So that leads us into wait on the Lord. When you wait on God, that means you're stopping and you're bringing your perspective back to the divine. 
right? You're thinking about, okay, what does God want me to do in this situation? What's the most important thing? Because let's, let's be honest. In the example with the laundry on the floor, obviously that roommate, something's wrong with them. Because you don't act like that. <laughs> something's wrong with you. So instead of worrying about how we're going to have to wash that laundry again and how that takes up my time and me, 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 and my, 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 how about I just get compassionate and think about them? Like, what's wrong with them? What can I do to help them? I'm not saying I do it perfectly. I'm just telling you what God told me because I was the one having the thoughts. So it takes, you know, Pastor did a whole series about being spiritually minded, not carnally minded, right? Carnally minded is death, but spiritually minded is life and peace. I don't know about you, but I want life and peace in this day. When they're invading my space to trouble me, perplex me, and agitate me, I just want life and peace. (laughs) You know, it reminds me of how Jesus just walked through the crowd. Remember how they were coming to get him to throw him over the cliff? And it says he just disappeared through the crowd praise God that can be us disappear right through the crowd you know most of the time people will hear about something and they will just and Eric does it and he's not here tonight so I can tell you on him but sometimes I'll like tell him something and he'll just get his phone out and start texting I'm like you're not texting them are you and he's like yeah I'm like oh my gosh (laughs) No, no. You know, usually your knee-jerk reaction is not the right one. Unless you're just, you know, really spiritual. Typically, when you pull out your phone and you're going, and you have your, like, your brow is crinkled, whoa, back up the truck. Delete, 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 right? Take a second. Usually, I, I, I always tell him, just give yourself 24 hours. If you're still this angry in 24 hours, like tomorrow when you wake up, no, 24 hours. <laughs> give yourself 24 hours. If you still feel like you should do that, okay. But usually, a few hours later, it's not as big a deal as you thought it was. Right? And you gain a little perspective. And you give the Holy Spirit just a little room to speak to you about the right response, right? So again, wait on the Lord. This, all of this comes to steal your strength, to send you down into the void. Wait on the Lord, he will renew your strength. Now, if you respond to someone like God wants you to respond and God does something miraculous, how many of you think that that would renew your strength? both hands. Yes, Lord, let that be me. I want to experience that. I mean, if, if we know that God's desire is miracles this year, miracles, more and more miracles, miracles after miracles. That's what he wants to do. So let's make sure we're in a position to be used for that, for miracles, because we're not getting agitated. We're not getting perplexed. We're not getting disturbed or distressed by what they're doing. You're good, Mr. Christian. You're good, Miss Christian. Keep being that. Don't let them change who you are. Right? 
All right, so let's read some weight on the Lord's scriptures. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, when somebody repeats it twice like that, they're talking from experience, right? Because if I said, you know, oh my goodness, eat the, what's that salad called it? Papacitos? It is so good. Chicken lime salad, I don't know what it is. But if I said, eat that, I say, eat it. I'm telling you that because I have experience with that salad. I wouldn't be telling you twice if I didn't have experience with the salad. Right? So here we have the writer of Psalm. He's saying, wait on the Lord. I say, wait on the Lord. Why? Because it's so good. You'll be so glad you did. You'll be so glad you did. Wait on the Lord. Now, interestingly enough, this word wait doesn't mean tarry doesn't mean just sit around and wait on God. It's not what it means. It means bind together yourself with the Lord. It's like when the Spirit comes on you. And it's you and God. Binding together. It means gather. Like gather. You and God. Gather. You know, sometimes you need time to gather yourself. Well, gather yourself with God. That's what he's saying. Wait, I say. Gather yourself, I say, with the Lord. You'll be so glad you did. Psalm 37, 9. This should, this, this should, I mean, not that we want this to happen to anyone, but it starts out by saying evildoers will be cut off. That's good and bad. Like, okay, evildoers will be cut off, okay. You know, in the physical, you're like, yeah, they're going to get theirs. But in the spiritual, they're going to be cut off forever. Yeah, yeah it's kind of heavy, kind of serious. If they continue that route, they're going to be cut off. So that should give you new insight on how you should be too. Right? They're opposing themselves. So don't you oppose them. Evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. (laughs) Let's turn to Psalm. If you're not there, turn to Psalm 37 because, oh my goodness, this chapter is amazing. I mean amazing. Psalm 37. (laughs) Because of the eight verses before this verse. Let's read them. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, when you get your mind off what they're doing and you get your mind on God, he can delight, you delight yourself in the Lord, he can give you desires of your heart. He's not going to give you desires of your heart while your mind is fretting on the evildoers. (laughs) And don't you want everything God wants you to have this year? So we delight ourselves in the Lord. We don't fret because of the evildoers. Because when you're doing that, he can't meet your needs. You got to remember pastor said on Sunday, you've got to get your attention on him. Remember Jesus came to teach right about healing. And then he healed them because he's got to get your attention off of your problem. First, you got to look at him. It says in verse five, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. Verse seven, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret. 
because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. What's it say next? It only causes harm. It only causes harm to fret. So why do we do that? I don't know. I think a good example here. So this word wait, you know, wait on the Lord. Remember, it means to gather together with God, to bind yourself with God, wait on God, bind yourself together. It's interesting that when it says cease from anger, that word cease means slacken. Let it go. (laughs) It's a direct opposite, right? Of bind yourself to God. Let the anger go. Slacken your hold on the anger. Let it go. And then it says, um, forsake, let me look. Where was I? 37. Um, Forsake wrath. That word forsake means loose. So bind yourself to God. Slack in anger. Loose wrath. Let it go. You can't hold one when you're holding the other. When you're holding anger and wrath, you're not going to hold on to God. No, because you're already holding anger. You're already holding wrath. You gotta let it go. Grief, let it go. Grab on to God. This is exact opposites. Verse eleven says, "The meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace." So, verse nine was, "Those who wait on the Lord will inherit the earth," and eleven says, "The meek shall inherit the earth." So, guess what? Those who wait on the Lord are meek. Like if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Thank you. <laughs> so if you're going to wait on the Lord, you have to be meek. What, what, is, what is meek? It means humble. You're not going to wait on the Lord if you think you're, you can solve your own problem. I mean, if you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to text them right now. You're going to solve your own problem. You're not going to wait on the Lord. Guess what? That's not humble. Right? Humble says, nope, God can do a better job than me. Right? God, God can do a better job than me. Say it. God can do a better job than me. Amen. Let's get revelation of that, right? He can do so much better job than us in our carnal, knee-jerk reactions. Even if we think it through, we might not come up with his solution. Who would have thought to touch the leper? Not many in this room. <laughs> Unless God actually, unless you waited on the Lord and heard him say it, you might not know that was the solution. God always has great solutions. The meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves. Delight themselves. That means you do this to yourself. Delight yourself. You choose to delight yourself. Nothing out here is responsible for delighting you. You delight yourself, right? In the abundance of peace. That means you can swim in peace. Backstroke it. Right? Abundance of peace means there's so much more than me. Than just this little peace. I got to find the peace. No, abundance of peace. It's all around you. But you have to delight yourself in the abundance of peace. There is an abundance of peace around you right now. Anyone in here, anyone watching online. There's an abundance of peace for you right now. No matter what your trouble is, no matter what's agitating you, annoying you, there's an abundance of peace. Just humble yourself and let God, wait on God for the answers. 
Stop troubling your own mind, looking within yourself for answers, thinking you need to figure it out, you did something wrong. God's bigger than all of that. All of it. Isaiah 8, 11 through 18. It's another wait on the Lord verse. Isaiah says, the Lord spoke to me with a strong hand. That means God was serious. And he instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people. I should not be afraid of their threats, their fear or their terrors, what that means. Nor be troubled. So here we are again, nor be troubled. Don't be in dread of what they're saying, what they're doing, what they say is coming your way. Don't be in dread. It doesn't matter what virus they tell us is next. You do not have to be in fear or dread. You don't have to be like the rest of the people, walking the same way they walk. The Lord of hosts. Hello. The Lord of hosts. Why do you not have to be troubled? The Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. Him you shall hallow. Him you shall think on. Him you shall give reverence and respect. Not a virus. Him you should give respect. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. He will be as a sanctuary to you. Right? And don't we know that from Psalm 91? The secret place. I will abide there in the shadow of his wings. He will be my safe place. He's more than able to be my safe place. So I will give him my attention. (laughs) I would like... him, let him be your fear and let him be your dread. I would rather please him than worry about something else. I would rather, and I wouldn't, and he doesn't want me to, but I would rather worry about pleasing him than worry about whatever's going on in the world. When I'm worrying about what's going, going on in the world, I'm not thinking about God at all. I don't even think God cares about me. How can you worry about what's going on in the world if you think God cares about you? simple, right? Yeah, he cares about you. He loves you. He says you're my prized possession. You're my treasure. That's how he talks about us. There's nothing he wants to happen to you. Why did he send his son? Right? So that's, none of that is the issue. He sees you. He knows your situation. He knows. He sees and he knows. And that's the story all throughout the Bible. He always saw. He always saw them in their captivity, in their frustrations. When they called out, he answers. The Bible says, he will answer. The Lord of him, how, uh, the Lord of hosts, he should be who we respect. And I will wait, verse 17, on the Lord. And I will hope in him. This wait means I will adhere to him. That means I'm sticking to him. I'm sticking to him no matter what. I will wait on the Lord. I will hope in him. That word hope in him is the same one. I will bind together with him. I will expect him to work on my behalf. I will look for him. I will anticipate him talking to me. Every moment I'll be listening. What are you saying, Lord? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? When trouble comes in, when they invade my space, Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? My attention is on the Lord. I wait on the Lord. I'm not saying a word. Please, Lord, let me not say a word until I hear from you. Why? Because I want to birth a move of God. 
I don't want to birth strife. I don't want to work for the devil. I want to work for God. I want to be a servant of the Lord in humility, correcting those who oppose themselves, who are sending themselves to hell. It's crazy. And then, of course, we have Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Turn there quickly. It says, have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now let's break this verse down just a little bit. I I tried so hard not to stop. All right. So it says, he never faints nor is weary. That means, that word faint means he never tires. As if from wearisome flight. God's never running around. He's never like anxious, like, oh, I got to do something. Oh, I got to do something. He never gets tired because he's got to run around to do something. <laughs> he never gets tired because of that. He doesn't ever do that. It says, he's, nor is he weary. That word weary means gasping. <sighs> As if exhausted. God is never exhausted. He's never gasping because he was so busy today taking care of all of your problems. He's never gasping. He's never exhausted because of all the problems in the world. He never faints. He's never weary. I know, right? It says he gives power to the weak. He gives. You don't earn it. He gives power to the weak. That power means the ability to be firm, to be forceful, to have force in the midst of your situation when you think you can't even stand. No, he will give power to the weak. Just turn your eyes on him. Wait on him. To the weak, those that are fainting. You feel fainting. You feel like you're fatigued. You feel exhausted. You are who he's talking about. You are subject A for power. He gives power. He doesn't give power to pastor. I mean, he does. But he doesn't only give power to pastor because he's pastor. Because he's spiritual giant, Pastor Justin, awesome bridges. No, he gives power to the weak. (laughs) We all qualify. Praise God. You don't have to arrive for him to give you power. You just have to acknowledge. (laughs) Hello. That you are weak. That comes back to humility and being meek. When we acknowledge that we're weak, he can finally give you power that you've been wanting. He gives power to the weak. Remember, one thing was needed. To sit at the feet of Jesus, listen and receive. So that you're not weak anymore. Because he will give you power. All you who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Right? Yeah. And to those who have no might. Now this was, this was hilarious. To those who have no might, that literally means no successful ability. Not no ability, no successful ability. Like you're not seeing success. Your ability isn't enough to be successful. You are not succeeding at being kind to that lady next door. No successful ability. He will give you might. He, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. (laughs) 
So you don't have to say, I give up on that lady. I am done with her. Erase her name off my blackboard, dry erase board. I'm done. No, no. He increases your strength to deal when you have been unsuccessful. So when you have been unsuccessful, throw up your hands and rejoice. It's not in me. God, hallelujah, is giving me strength. He's giving me, is that what it says? He incre- he's going to increase my strength. So when you fall short, you've been unsuccessful. For the third time, you've spoken mean to that person. Throw your hands up and say, I am a candidate for increased strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is coming on my scene. Right? And isn't that exactly, I mean... What 2 Corinthians we're going to get to, 12, 9, we're going to get there in just a second, is about, so let me finish this. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So we all know about that. You're going to get power. You're going to be firm. You're going to have force. You're going to, it says, go on forward. You're going to spring up, right, with renewed force. You're going to be able to handle it. Mount up. You're going to ascend. Mount up means ascend. You're going to rise up. You're not going to fall into that void if you're waiting on God. You're going to ascend. You're going to go to a new level. Wait on the Lord. Mount up with wings as eagles. Run and not be weary. That means you can rush and not be gasping or exhausted. You might be rushing around, but you're not tired. That's great news. I like that one. Walk and not faint. You're going to walk. You're going to be moving, moving forward. You're going to be moving forward without being weary. Praise God. Which brings us to 2 Corinthians 12. Here we go. You all know it. My grace in the New King James, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So see, when you feel weak, when you feel fatigued, when you feel less than super Christian, you are the perfect candidate for God to show up on your scene, to fill you up to the overflow with his power, his miracle working power. I like that. Who wants to be a candidate for the miracle working power? Yes. You don't have to be part. Two hands up. You don't have to be Mr. Super Cool Christian. You just have to acknowledge it's not in me to handle this. (laughs) That's good news, right? Because how many of us think, yeah, it's not in me to handle this? It's not. This world is crazy. But we have to trouble the trouble By saying, yeah, I don't have what it takes, but God does. So God, add your power to my weakness. I'm your candidate. I'm your vessel. Here I am, use me. Right? But when we say, here I am, use me, that means we can't be troubled, agitated, annoyed, distressed. Because that's when the devil will use us. Right? We've got, remember, righteousness, faith, love, peace. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, (laughs) right? Those are the things we have to be after in order to be what God needs us to be so that his grace can fill us up. So in the Amplified, it says, my grace is enough for you, sufficient against any danger and enables you to bear the trouble, whatever's agitating you, manfully. (gasps) (laughs) Manfully. That word, I looked that up because I was like, seriously? Bear the trouble manfully? Like, just pick yourself up and bear it like a man. That word manfully means boldly, courageously, honorably. So maybe that's what a man is supposed to be. Bold, courageous, honorable. Right? 
Bear it honorably. His grace is sufficient for you to bear any trouble honorably. Honorably. So Paul goes on to say, Therefore, most gladly will I boast in my infirmities. That means my weaknesses, my feebleness, my being a human. That the power of God may rest on me. Because when I can acknowledge that I'm weak, I'm not enough, that's when his power can rest on me. That, mean, that rest on me means tent on me. That's like the Holy Spirit comes upon, he's not just in you, now he's upon you. You know all those verses where the Holy Spirit came upon them? Every time I read the Holy Spirit came upon them, there was like mighty works done. So when he says, I will boast in my infirmities that the power of God can tent on me, content on me, can rest on me. That means he can do mighty things. Therefore, I take pleasure in, I think well of weaknesses. Did he just seriously say that? Yeah. You know what areas you're weak in. Instead of just like focusing on your weaknesses and thinking you're not enough, how about you just say, hey, this is an area where God can fill up the extra. If I'm a little, that's why pastor's been saying there is no lack because where we lack in the natural, God will come up and fill with himself and it will take us full every time. We're not void of anything with God, but without God, yes, we're not enough. But the good news is we're never without him. He will never forsake us. Never leave us, never forsake us. So we can boldly say, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, he will help me. (laughs) He will help me. He will fill up where I'm lacking. So therefore, I take pleasure and I think well of my weaknesses, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then at that time, I am strong. Where I acknowledge I'm not enough. I don't have it. That in that moment, I am strong because God can come. What's, what's the word? Flooding into my life and fill it up to the overflow. Fill it up to the overflow with his miracle working power. If we're full on our own, you don't have any room for miracle working power and you don't have any. Miracle working power apart from God. Jesus didn't. I could of myself do nothing, he said. He had to have it. So do we. And it's okay that it's not in ourselves. But we can't let trouble trouble us. We've got to go out there and trouble trouble. We've got to go out there as missionaries on a mission. Righteousness. Faith. Love peace. We will not be troubled. Jesus said, see that you be not troubled. This is a key to the day we live in, to walking in the anointing for the hard times, walking in the anointing for the perilous times is that we recognize we're waiting on God. We're waiting on him to fill us up and to walk just like he walks. We're not, we're not reacting We're waiting on God. We're being, and the Bible says, sons of God are led by the spirit of God, right? So this is where we start getting serious, everyone. This is where we start getting serious about doing those things we've always known to do so that we can walk in the anointing for this day so we can live uncommon. 
right? So they can look at us like pastor's been saying and be amazed. I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen anyone not respond like, like you're not responding. Why? Because trouble doesn't trouble us. Trouble doesn't trouble us. Because we have a great God who takes care of us. We don't have to take care. He does. He will take care of us. So we are about righteousness, faith, love, peace. So when they try to invade our space, they're space invaders. (laughs) We don't let them trouble us. We will not be distressed. We will not be perplexed. We will keep our eyes on God and we will wait on him so that we can birth a move of God in the situation. Amen? Amen. Amen. In the meantime, I hope you don't have any nasty roommates. But if you do, tonight's message was for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pastor?